0: Blog Talk
1: Radio You're listening to Connect on blogtalkradio.com Catch us on the web at umconnect.info Welcome to this episode of Connect. I'm Michael Rich, the Web and Communications Manager for the Western North Carolina Conference. And today's guest is Reverend Dyron Clough. He's a pastor at Metropolitan United Methodist Church in Greensboro. He's been serving in this conference since 2003 and was ordained an elder at the 2016 Annual Conference. Today, we're going to find out more about his call and his ministry. So welcome to the show, Dyron.
0: Well, thank you for having me on today.
1: Yeah, and this is a call and vocation-sponsored show, so um, we're focusing a lot on your call and uh, your ministry, but we'll get into some other questions. So just to start us off, um, give us a little bit of your background. Where are you from? Where did you grow up? Uh, Tell us about your schools, those kinds of things.
0: All right. Well, um, actually, I was born— in North Carolina. I was uh, born at Duke University Hospital um, because my mother is from the North Carolina area. Um, But um, I was only down here for six months when she went back um, to where she had made her home in the D.C. area. Um, And so that's where pretty much I lived the vast majority of my life, was in the Washington, D.C. metropolitan area, um, Washington, Maryland. Mm
1: -hmm. I know exactly where that is. I used to be in... uh, um, well, I was at, uh, Greenbelt, Maryland for a while and then in okay. Silver Springs. And so, uh, and then at one point, um, uh, Bladensburg. So I know that area.
0: Okay. Okay. Great. Yes. Yeah. So I so mean, grew I, up I, there. I and... the... mm-hmm. yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm a pretty much, uh, a DC boy, um, through and through still. Uh, I mean, I think even all of my favorite sports teams still, um, reside, um, uh, Redskins fan, uh, uh, Wizards fan, Capitals fan. And even okay. though I've moved before they even got there, I'm a Nationals fan. So, um, yeah, I, I love the DC area still.
1: Okay. So what brings you to North Carolina?
0: Well, um, it was just a sense of calling when i after i accepted my call um to ministry i started working um with ten churches there um but it was around 2000 the end of 2000 going into 2001 um where i really just felt god um instructing me to move um to the place where i was born and to moved um to north carolina uh, hmm. with me and my young family and that's what i did um to start working as a youth minister at a church in uh Lenore. So um, okay. It was just the calling that pulled me to North Carolina. All
1: right. So that's 2000, 2001, um yeah. you're working as a youth pastor in Lenore and yeah. uh uh something got a hold of you because by 2003 you're a local pastor in this conference.
0: Yes. Um That was uh, interesting. Um, What had happened was uh, Reverend Miller Carter, uh, Mm -hmm. I had the opportunity while he was in Lenore to preach at, I believe it was Harper's Chapel, um, where he was um, in Lenore. Um, I came and did a revival for him one night um, while I was a youth minister, and uh, we just began to have some conversations about, you know, the differences between the AME Church and United Methodist Church and... um, uh, I've always wanted to to try to see what could be done to bridge um the methodists um to get us all back together as a family and um uh had a conversation with a uh, um Dr. Rice um who was the superintendent at the time in that area mm-hmm. and from there went to go see Dr. Graves and um that they uh he was telling me that there might be a possibility for me um, if I was to transfer from the AME Church to the United Methodist Church and um, I was all, um, given the opportunity to be appointed um, in um, Newton. And so that's how okay. I kind of got here, um, just through those kind of connections.
1: All right. So tell us more about your call story. You you heard the call to come to North Carolina. Well, let's talk specifically about that call. What? What was God's call on your life like? What did it sound like?
0: Um, well, for me, it's always been um, I grew up um, pretty much in the church um, since I was younger. I mean, I was in private Christian school, um, elementary school. And I guess around uh, the age of 12 um, is when I first started hearing the inkling that this may um, of God just hands being on me to just kind of say, um, I've called you to, to be a preacher and a pastor. Um, and at the time I, I didn't think too much of it, but it was around 15 when it just really became strong on me. Mm-hmm. When I knew that this was, um, what I was called to do for the rest of my life, even though there was a part of me who wanted to steal, um, you know, uh, do certain things that I wanted to do, I kind of really sensed that um, pastoral ministry was something that I was going to do for the rest of my life.
1: Okay. And and I'm just making this comment because I've done a lot of these call and vocation um, things, and uh, we've had a number of guests come on. You might be the youngest that heard the call at 15 of all the ones that I've done so far.
0: But, oh wow. Uh, okay. Pretty
1: amazing. Yeah. Most, most of the folks I've talked to, uh, it wasn't their first inkling. Um, um, they had other desires and, uh, but you may be the one that heard it youngest, uh, at 15. And, and you actually mentioned 12, you started hearing that call. So that's, um, yeah. that is a fascinating, um, uh, story. And it, it came up growing up in the church and, uh, I'm certain, um, uh, if your church growing up was like all the AME and AME Zion churches that I grew up around, you were in church all day.
0: Yeah, yeah. there were times I was uh, at church quite a bit, and it was uh, the church I grew up in was a, gr- um, a very fast-growing church. And so, yeah, I think I was pretty much at church um, Monday through Sunday. Uh, wow. So, yeah. Wow. Well, yeah.
1: So— um One of the questions that we ask everybody who comes on one of the call and vocation sponsored shows is how would you describe your call in just one or two words?
0: I would say um, adrenaline rush. Um, Hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yes. An adrenaline rush.
1: Yeah. You want to unpack that a little bit? How does (laughs) does that describe?
0: Um, And I guess because there are times where, uh you have great sense of adrenaline from things that excite you and mm. moments where you're terrified um mm. and i think through my call um uh, there've been great highs um where uh, where i've definitely seen god's hand moving but there have been those moments where i've been um scared out of my mind um mm-hmm. and the adrenaline um, a fear just kind of kept pushing me through, um, even like moving from the D.C. area to North Carolina. Um, I thought I was going to be on the eastern side of the state because um, that's where my grand, uh, my grandmother and uh, my mother's side of the family reside. But when I, God called me to be the youth minister at Lenore, I mean, I went, and it was just me, my wife, and my two young children at the time um, mm. really not knowing anyone. And so that fear, um, but just knowing that I knew God's hand was on me to go, um, it just kinda energized me in the in the face of the fear.
1: All right. Adrenaline Rush, I'm gonna remember that one. <laughs> uh, so let's talk about the folks that influenced your call and who are the people uh shaping that call even today.
0: Okay, um I guess for today Um, the two people who have been most influential um, in the ministry in recent years, especially since I've um, come over to the United Methodist Church, I would have to say are um, uh, Dr. Percy Reeves and um, Mm -hmm. Dr. Charles Kuyper. Okay. They have really um, influenced me, um, Pastor Reeves, just simply because of, the church planning aspect and doing church um, in the United Methodist Church just a little bit differently than many of our um, regular African-American churches operate um, with the style of music and um, just starting uh, from scratch with um, Sanctuary. And, uh, I mean, he's just really um, spoken into my life and just been very helpful and Charles Kikers, um, being I grew up in the AME church, a church dealt, that dealt really heavily with um, a lot of social justice issues, mm. I really felt that I needed balance in my life. And um, uh, Charles has really helped me because um, he comes from a different perspective than what I grew up with, and I think that has helped me um, to seek um uh, the balance that I always knew God was trying to give me in my life of being able to deal with cross racial issues and things like that. So, um, I would say in the present tense, Percy Reeves and Charles Kiker have really made a huge impact in my life.
1: Mm. Yeah. And that, that's very interesting uh, that you talk about the balance and, um, the various things, um, uh, just curious about music. Um, I I have a good friend that he and I went to college together. He's a pastor of an AME Zion uh, church down in Montgomery, Alabama. And Mm -hmm. uh, one of the things that he says is that um, the music um, within that denomination uh, really holds uh, his congregation back and that uh, he's got a bishop telling him, you've got to use that hymnal and you've got to sing these old songs and um, you know, probably most of his church grew up with a more black gospel tradition that uh, is wide open. And I was wondering if that was similar in the AME church or um, was it a little wider open?
0: In terms well, I of music? think uh, the church, the church I grew up in, um, it was a little wider open. Um, um, actually, you know, I, my pastor at times times uh, when I was younger would kind of be told that, um, we weren't really AME when I would be a part of um, what we call the YPD. Um, mm-hmm. And I would go to places, um, things, that youth organization. They would be like, um, y'all not really AME. Y'all more Pentecostal and Baptist and things like that because our music um, was uh, uh, on a, an, on another level um, growing up. I know there are many churches now in the AME church that have you know, embraced more of that style. But I know in the um, mid-80s and the 90s um, when I was there, um, it was different. And so I grew up, while we did hymns, we did hymns in a different way where Mm -hmm. uh, the flavor was a little bit different than the standard to it. And so I've always seen music differently within the church than um, many of my other AME friends did.
1: Okay. So... Um, you were talking about Percy Reeves and his style uh what- what did you learn um in that church planting thing about music and and the local church
0: um that that is very important within our culture um uh, that music is very heavy um within us um uh, you can have almost one of the greatest preachers in the world but if your music is not reaching um mm. uh, it's going to hold you back and so right. you know he he kind of shaped me and um the music the praise team that he has there um is phenomenal um and it's exciting and and I mean it just keeps people um engaged and so that he really shaped me in that to making sure um that, you know, you make sure the music reaches who you're trying to to reach to get into church. And so Mm. um, I've definitely taken that to heart. I've taken that to heart.
1: That's great. Well, um, let's talk just briefly about your early ministry. So you were student pastor in Newton, uh, basically um, 2003 you started there, and you'd been a student pastor for like seven years. Um, and looking at your things, uh, let's talk about that early ministry. What, what was that like?
0: Um, being that was my first, uh, uh, opportunity to be, uh, the lead pastor, um, it was different. Um, and there were parts of me that sometimes, um, Newton, um, being a different community than I, I grew up in, um there were moments where I felt almost on the outside, um, just because I guess of my background from the DC area in comparison to Newton. Mm -hmm. And then being that when I got there, I was 27 years old. Um, and you know, there were many members there who, you know, would tell me I have grandchildren your age. And and so my age kind of, um, you know, they looked at me more of as a child, grandchild, where uh, they loved me in that kind of form, where I felt supported. But at the same time, um, I think it was always hard for some to truly see me as the pastor because of my age. And um, But, I mean, we had, I had a great opportunity there. I loved every moment. Um, that I was at Newton, we grew, um, and, you know, there were more young families coming to the church, um, and so it was, it was an exciting time, it was me learning the difference between the AME Church and United Methodist Church as far as, like, the structure of organizations and mm. and things of that nature, but it was, um, I truly enjoyed my time at Newton.
1: Excellent. Well, we're going to take a little break. We'll come back and I've got some more questions for you, but uh, this has been interesting. And so let's hear now a word from uh, the call and vocation team. I'm Jim Parsons, the chair of the call and vocation team for the Western North Carolina Conference. We are thrilled to partner with UM Connect to bring you some unique conversations in 2016. Our team is focused on cultivating a culture of call within our conference. For more about our work, please visit us at isgodcallandme.org. The United Methodist Foundation of Western North Carolina is a ministry of the church for the church, whose mission is to build the church for generations to come. We fulfill this vision by investing in people, as well as helping churches and related institutions invest the financial resources that God has given to them. My name is David Snipes, and we look forward to the day when you give your United Methodist Foundation a call. And you can find out more about the United Methodist Foundation of Western North Carolina at the sponsor page on our show's website, which is umconnect.info. And so we're back with the second half of the show with uh, Dyron Kloh and we were talking about his early experience at, uh, at Newton uh, and moving over from AME to uh, United Methodist Church. And uh, just this past year, uh, you were ordained at uh, annual conference, and uh, I mean, you've been at it a while, uh, from a youth pastor in 2000 and finally getting ordained in 2016. What did that experience uh, say to you?
0: Um, that experience was so affirming. Um, and yes, it has been a while, uh, being that I was even on track um, for ordination in the AME Church um, mm. before I came over um, and transferred over to the United Methodist Church. Um, um, people acknowledged the call on my life even when I, while I was 15, but at the time of living um, in the D.C. area, it was kind of um, you had to wait till you finished college, even before they would normally even let you begin the process. And so, mm. um, and so, yeah. So to watch people who were called similarly to me and my pastors acknowledge them and acknowledge me, but because they had their degrees, they were able to begin the process then. Um, and my pastor would just say, "Dairen." Um, once you finish graduating, um, with it, everything will move through. But then the transfer, you know, move to North Carolina, then transfer to another denomination and restart all over again. Uh, it just seems like I've been going at this for years upon years. Mm. But um, it was a very affirming. Um, even when I went through the board um, in February, um, the affirming nature of it all, while I've always acknowledged that, I knew God had called me. Um, It was just a blessing for me to have that affirmation of sisters and brothers in the faith to say, um, Dyron, looking at um, your body of work um, in your ministry, we acknowledge and affirm that we truly believe that God has called you and that you would be a benefit to the kingdom and the United Methodist Church.
1: Mm. Yeah, I got to thinking uh, just then uh, the first time I worked in a church I was working with the youth and children was in 1978 and I didn't get ordained until 93 15 years myself and uh, yeah. it's crazy um, to to think that long process and and what a great feeling it is to get through and yeah, uh, to know that you've been affirmed by your conference and uh, made uh, Uh, made one of uh, the members of this conference. So um, over the years, I mean, you started out in Newton, but you've done a lot of different things from 2003 uh, to 2016. So I know that you served in a cross-racial appointment. Uh, You've been involved in New Church Starts. Tell us about those experiences.
0: Um, Yeah, that was um, my cross-racial appointment at Christ Church in Hickory. Uh, that was definitely a different experience for, uh, me and my family. Um, uh, you know, me being that me and my wife, pretty, she was AME with me growing up. Uh, Mm. and we've always been at predominantly black church, um, and throughout our lives and to be there, but the way we were embraced, um, Mm. um, where we were made to feel apart, um, You know, there was an adjustment period to certain things of music elements and everything like that. Um, but it was, um, it was great to just begin to have conversations. It helped me, um, go through a healing point in my life, um, of, of dealing with some racial issues. Um, Mm. while I was in the Christian school growing up, there was something that was said that, you know, someone used, um, a text, um, uh, inappropriately, um, that dealt with um, the curse of ham and things like that mm. um, about the black race, and to to Im- be embraced by Christchurch and to begin to have conversations, um, it was very it was it, it was a process of healing me um, of dealing with some racial hurts that I had, and so um, I truly love my time at Christchurch, um, and I, I I get called back uh, a little bit. I've actually been there twice this year um to pre and so it, it's just been a blessing and a privilege um to have served there and to still have a relationship there
1: okay so yeah. um and the now yeah. hmm
0: that that was um uh, that's really a part of the ad- adrenaline rush um for the ministry to see um the people that we were able to touch um while the church start did not um last as um as I had hoped and prayed um but just to go through the process of trying to get something um from nothing um mm. just having my family uh from the very beginning and you know getting a team together um uh doing the worship and all the other aspects of setting up chairs every week. Um, passing out flyers, and then at the same time when we started having service to try to make sure um, my message was um, something that was of a benefit. um, uh, But it was exciting. It was, I mean, there were days that um, I was like, Lord, I don't know how much more I could deal with um, of not knowing, you know, being in a, a set church. You kind of had an idea almost every week of who was going to show up. People would call you to say, oh, Pastor, I'll be on vacation this week when I was, you know, pastoring at Newton. But the church start, uh, every Sunday, it was, okay, I don't know who may show up today. Um, right. And if, if 30 show up, great. Twenty. I mean, there were just there were just moments where you just didn't know who was showing up. Um, but we still we loved it the the opportunity to be a blessing um, to others. It was still there was while it didn't work the way I wanted. I would never uh, take that moment back in my life. I would always want to live through what we went through with the church star.
1: Mm, I hear you. So you moved from there to Metropolitan in Greensboro. You've been there yeah. since 2014. Uh, so how is that? That has always been one of sort of our flagship downtown kinds of churches in, in, you know, a major city in, uh, Western North Carolina. Uh, what's that experience like?
0: Um, that has been, um, a very different experience being that, um, we are right next door to North Carolina A&T State University, uh, mm. I mean, I mean, really right almost in their parking lot. Um, but when I got there, it was at the point of where there was still the great givers within the church. Um, our numbers had dwindled, and there were really no young adults or young people um, a part of the church. And, um, and so, but they had a history. And so dealing with, you know, me coming from more of a church planter background where, Um, when I was church planning, I dressed down, it was jeans and maybe Mm. a a T-shirt or maybe a jacket with a a T-shirt under it to a church that was more used to a pastor being in a robe, going through more of a formal worship experience. Um, Mm. And and so uh, there was a contrast of styles um, when I first got there. But my meeting with Bishop when um he called me to talk to me about that appointment, um, you know, he was saying that Dyron it's right next to A and T mm. and we we need to get these young adults and young people within this church. I mean, it's just so ripe for uh, a great ministry to occur. And actually I am part time at Metropolitan and also for the Wesley Foundation at A and T I okay. am part-time for that Um, but it's a full-time appointment but um, being that that they're so close to each other uh, but yeah so that's that's kind of been my role um, of trying to incorporate um, how do we grow this uh, ministry to being everything that um, it really it can be being that it's such like you said in the heart of the city um, which such a great opportunity and we, we've we slowly but surely um, begin to change some things. We're actually now with two services where we have one, our 11 o'clock is our foundation service where I try to keep it um, for those members who want to really have more of the, the litanies and things like that. Um, we do that at 11 and we have what we call our connection service now where we try to um, engage the young adults and the community and also the college students and that's more of a free-flowing service,
1: um, mm.
0: praise team-oriented, where it doesn't follow a set flow. Um, there could be a Sunday where there may be one song and I preach, and then songs after. Um, we just want you to come and just expect um, the Holy Spirit to move, however Holy Spirit sees fit.
1: Okay. Well, we're getting down toward the end, and yeah, uh, mm. you know, I had another question. It may take longer. Uh, but maybe you can make that sort of your last word as well. Um, what are the challenges that you face as a African-American pastor here in Western North Carolina? What are, what are some of the difficulties, but what are, um, some of the joys that you have?
0: Um, I I guess for me, um, the joys, um, would be, uh, just to be able to connect, um, like I said, moving from AME to United Methodist, one of the things Mm. I really wanted to do was do connection, um, and, and not be in a divided sense, but that goes almost to the fear right now. Um, Mm. for me, just like what's going on in our communities, um, to make sure I speak, um, a prophetic voice to certain things that are occurring in our country. Um, especially what just happened in Charlotte um, uh, um, over last night, to make sure that I can speak prophetically, but also to connect where we can begin to truly dialogue. And so it's a a fearful moment because I think sometimes people don't want to talk, but it's also a joyous opportunity because I really think um, we have, as United Methodists, an opportunity to really begin to engage one another and have these tough conversations and and realize, yes, it's going to be difficult conversations, but we can have them. And um, I'm just excited about not what's happening but the potential for us to be able to help heal some of the wounds that are taking place to realize you know, there are those who saying they certain things that make it more divisive. Well, I think sometimes when you push things under the carpet and don't discuss it, it's not that the division wasn't there. It just mm-hmm. was under a rug or under a carpet. But now things are happening where it's making it to the forefront. And I just believe this is our opportunity to step forward and begin to really help um help um change some things, but We just have to be willing to have these conversations. And that, for me, as African-American pastor in the Western North Carolina Conference is where do we really begin um, and Mm. what churches really, truly want to have these hard conversations and um, realizing it's not going to be, uh, you know, just getting together for one afternoon of talking is going to solve all of this. This is going to be months, years of really, sharing one another's stories and burdens in order to get these things um, to be alleviated.
1: Uh, I agree totally. Well, I thank you for the conversation today and for giving your time. It has been a great conversation, and I hope that others will listen to it and that we'll be able to uh, share this with, uh, with many throughout this United Methodist Connection. So thanks for giving your time today, Dyeron.
0: All right. Thank you so much.
1: All right. And thanks, everyone, for listening to us on Blog Talk Radio. The show is going to be available shortly as podcast at the Blog Talk Radio page and on this show's website and on iTunes. So keep up with the latest at UMConnect.info. And we're going to be back next week connecting United Methodists and their stories. Thanks to our sponsors, the Western North Carolina Conference and the United Methodist Foundation of Western North Carolina. You can find out more about them on the sponsors section of the website, umconnect.info. I'm Michael Rich, and you've been listening to Connect.